House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. We've got a great show ahead. We are being joined by actually a brand new team member from what I understand, Jeff Harmon, astrological and spiritual consultant. Jeff, welcome to the show. Welcome to the House of Mystery. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Hey, we're, you know, it's our pleasure to host you. But tell us a little bit, who is Jeff Harmon? What is an astrological and spiritual consultant, and how did you get here? Well, that's it, an interesting story. Um, it, it started for me back in the mid-70s. Actually, it started a little before that. Uh, in the 60s, my mother used to have medical astrology and various ancient documents sitting around, and I never thought too much of it. But then in the 70s, when I started dating and I was driving, uh, my mother would be extremely accurate with my girlfriends. And I always said, what are you doing? You know, how, this is not mother's intuition. How could you possibly know what you just said? And she said, well, I'm doing their astrology chart. And I, I was a skeptic. I said, come on. I said, astrology doesn't have any effect. I said, how could the planets affect us here and all that? And she smiled and she said, well, before you ridicule it and criticize it, check it out. So I did. I started to study it with her, and to my amazement, it was very divine, and most importantly, was was really a, an actual science, a geometric science. And that got me started. And what happened, I've always been in the production business and entertainment business uh, with studios and film production, and through the 80s, I had really become enamored with it. And... Um, by the 90s, I was studying with many different teachers and, and, and through the late 80s as well, <clears throat> and um, it, it kind of found me. And then I moved to California, and um, I just, I don't know how it happened, but all these clients just started uh, using my services for contracts and questions and locations, because and, astrology can be used in so many different ways than I think um, is normally understood, and when I discovered that, I thought that was really, really intriguing. Like, for instance, a lot of people know they can get readings, which is very important. You can see your progressions and transits, and there's a, uh, an astrology called Vedic astrology. Yes, it's I actually called it. Jyotisha. Yeah, and it's, it's really amazing. Um, I had the blessing of studying. It's almost kind of like God said, you know, maybe you're supposed to do this, and I just got guided, and it. Um, I, I had some really wonderful teachers, and some that were not too good, and um, it, it just blossomed, and um, I started doing a lot of electional astrology for clients uh, in real estate, and in, uh, well, of course, California, a lot of people are doing surgeries and so on and so forth, both elective and necessary, and I would pick times where people would actually schedule the surgery. You, know, you can't get a doctor to do that, but you can also get the doctor to tell you when they're available. Like if they do surgeries every Wednesday, we pick the best Wednesday and the best hours out of Wednesday or whatever day it is, and uh, it invariably goes better. And, you know, again, I was skeptical of all this stuff, you know. 30, 40 years ago, but it, it's amazing. 
I don't mean to interrupt you, Jeff, but you bring up a really good point. And I'm sorry, I'm speed bumping you here. Um, it's okay. I like speed bumps. It slows you down. <laughs> um, let's go back to that. Um, you mentioned you can select, you know, astrologically, the best date and the best time, you know, for example, to do a surgery. To, to what end? Is this for the best results or a success of the surgery? Or, I mean, you've already, you know, wow, poof, mind Yeah, yeah mind exactly. Well, here. you know, the, well, this is an interesting topic because, um, you know, of course, in the United States, it's well known that the founding forefathers were steeped in the Masonic tradition, which really goes back to Egypt and the Knights Templar and many secret societies. And... This was always intriguing to me. I've, I've always really been a researcher of various religions and uh, spiritual disciplines and practices. And one of the things that I found was how much electional astrology was used throughout history. In fact, Benjamin Franklin probably said it best. He said, no uh, general, no uh, emperor, or no president would commence major acts without first looking as to whether or not it was an appropriate time at which to do so. Right. Now, uh, Ronald Reagan is probably the one who's more noted at using astrology, but I can tell you a lot of people in business do. And I actually find in my own life, it's so accurate, it's creepy. Like, I entered into a deal about 30 years ago, and we thought we had a good time, but we missed the window. And some of these times are very, very specific. And um, the, the, the marriage, I do a lot of marriage elections. That's literally picking an auspicious time to hold your marriage ceremony and be pronounced, you know, married. And um, people will often balk at that and say, well, how could that have any effect? Like I did. But when I reverse engineer the, the, the times that it didn't go well, oh, my God, it's right on. It's, it's spot on. I wished I had known you during my first marriage. But, yeah. I mean, it, but this is an ancient practice, actually. Oh, very ancient. Yeah. It, in fact, we have documentation, clear, concise documentation that goes back into probably two, three hundred BC, and it's a very cohesive system even back then. Now, let's go back to something else that you said, if you don't mind. We'll go in the Wayback Machine here. You said that you've had several instructors, some good and not so good. Um, you know, before the show, Julie and I were, were discussing on, on an unrelated matter, you know, where we were talking about, is there a such thing as an accredited school of mediumship? You know, as, as both of us are, are mediums, and I myself am more of a 2X. But, you know, is there, you know, how do we know if I'm just the average Joe and I walk in and I want to study astrology? How do I know if I'm getting a good school or not, or a good instructor or not? Well, that, that's you know, when you try and secularize astrology, that's a really deep subject because I, I am involved with the uh, American Federation of Astrologers, the American Council on Vedic Astrology, and many of these organizations. The problem is, uh, it, it's like going to a doctor. You can take all the school you want, um, and you can follow the procedures, and you need to know those procedures. But there are some doctors who are just amazing, and there are some that 
they pretty much follow the, the book. They, they don't think out of the box. Astrology is such a vast topic, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I find modern astrology is not as effective as the older systems, uh, particularly Jyotish astrology, and if you wanted to be general, it's called traditional astrology. Some folks call it classical. And what modern astrology has added in the what we call uh, newer planets, which is Neptune, Uranus, and Pluto. And I, I find they're actually very, very accurate. The problem modern astrology, in my opinion, has done is they've broken the old zodiac, the old sacred holy zodiac. And, you know, some people call that the Egyptian zodiac. Um, many people who study astrology find they have to unlearn because many astrologers write books in order to get clients, and, um, and that's fine, and some of them may be good books, some of them may not be. Um, I think you know, anyone who writes a book usually has something to say, and there's probably something good in it. But the, the tradition got broken um, basically in the late 1600s, I'd say early 1700s, and that's a really interesting time in history because that's also astrologically when the modern era started. Uh, it was in approximately 1702. There was a Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in what we call, it was called the Great Conjunction. And that was really the birth of the, um, of the Industrial Revolution. And we... Those are 240-year cycles, and interestingly enough, we're about ready to have another one, and that's in the winter solstice of 2020, a year and a half away. This is going to give birth to another era, which is going to be a high-tech revolution unlike we've never seen, and I don't think that's too far of a stretch. Oh, no. uh, look, we're already seeing... Yeah. Oh, Self-driving cars, we're seeing robots, we're seeing genetics, it's we're poised for an explosion in technology. Um, but anyways, back to what you were saying, it, it's, it is hard because there's an old saying, astrologers and psychics, getting them to agree on anything is like hurting cats. Um, they just don't, it, it, you, you tend to find, you know, I found the same thing in India, and I found the same thing in the, in the Egyptian path and the whole medieval tract of astrology, I, I follow very closely a lot of the uh, groups translating things. There are certain professors in universities that are translating ancient documents out of Hebrew, Aramaic, uh, German, uh, Greek, Egyptian, Coptic, uh, you know, various different, Latin is another big one, and Arabic. Um, and what we find is that going back in history, astrology has a thread that appears to have a consistency in the traditional astrology. There's variations on it, but there is secrets upon secrets in it, and it's really a holy divine science of the soul. And that's really got changed in the 19, I would say the late 1800s, but particularly in the 1900s, where it was, hey, baby, what's your sun sign? You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, now everyone's running around being Pisces and Aries, and, and they identify, it's become normal vernacular to say your sun sign. Oh, I'm a Pisces, oh, I'm an Aries or a Taurus. And I think anything could be further from the truth. Um, 
we are not our astrology, and that's what the ancient astrology differed on. It was, we are souls having a physical experience, and your guardian angel actually brought you in at a very specific alignment. So we have much more free will than modern astrology likes to, I think, advocate. And then we also will find that knowing it gives you power to deal with energy much more effectively, because that's all it is, is energy. So, Jeff, if you don't mind, I'm quite sure. well known on this show for coming in with some really random questions, okay? So oh, don't please take be random. I like that. I'm just a random person. So um, there's, there's two things I wanted to ask. One is, is related to the, the medium um, and astrologer relationship and understanding. But the first one is something you said way back. And you said that you, you when you were developing um, your knowledge and understanding of astrology, you almost felt like God was saying, this is, this is your calling. This is something that you must do. This is, something, this is the right thing for you. And I just want to ascertain your views because I'm in the middle of writing a book about my my mediumship experiences, not medium, mediumship in general, mine. And I just want to kind of consider your views in terms of where astrology and uh, readings and um, that kind of predictive element of astrology fits in line with religion. And that's quite, I know that's oh, quite a personal conversation but um, but it just came to me as i was as i was hearing oh you. well I, I think it fits very much in a line with religions it, you know it depends on which religion you're speaking about well, are you just talking religion in general religious views you mentioned god so let's let's look i mean what i suppose many people listening to this this show is are going to have many different types of god but if we talk about in terms of christianity and, and god as in, in that term, God, as many people in the Christian world would know. Sure, sure. Well, well, that, that's what I loved about the ancient methods of traditional astrology, is it really goes back. In fact, I have versions of the Bible. I love studying scripture and various different cryptology that's encoded in the Aramaic and Hebrew. You can't get as much out of the English at all, but the Aramaic and Hebrew is quite astounding in the Western religious tract. Sanskrit and <clears throat> the Egyptian Coptic is also quite interesting, too. All languages are very magical. But as far as I, I think I'm understanding what you're saying is, is the conflict between religion and astrology, is that what you're asking about? Yes, how do they sit side by side? So, well, it I depends mean, on who, who you talk to. Well, I mean, in yeah, I mean, most, well, here, here, take Rome, okay, Rome particularly. Um, if you look at the Roman Catholic Church, who basically, um, you know, as we know, Constantine founded it, and then, of course, the Nicene Councils came in somewhere between, I think it was the 3rd and the 8th century. It was quite a large period of time in there. And there was a lot of very questionable things that happened during those Nicene councils. I mean, the, these were the bearded men murdering each other to decide what Christians would believe for the next 1,500 years. And some of it may have been very good, and some of it was very selective. Um, and the religious view of Catholicism is, A, there's no reincarnation, and B, um, that astrology is the work of the devil. So what I loved is 
findings researching history that many of the popes have been busted with assiduous studies in astrology. In fact, the Pope takes a bathtub uh, or a bath in a bathtub that is surrounded by the zodiac. So, oh God, yes. And and the if you look into some of the mysteries that are in the architecture and in the structure of just the Roman Catholic Church, it is steeped in ritual astrological lore. And um, I find that very interesting, and yet it is promoted that astrology is the work of the devil. If anything, ancient astrology proves God, in my opinion. It absolutely proves it, because it's believed first there's God, and then there's the seraphims, cherubims, and the thrones. These are exceedingly high and powerful classes of angels, far above anything that I can certainly, or most humans can perceive. And then you have another world, and there's like 49 dimensions, so this is very hard to talk about on a radio show without a diagram. And then the next dimensions down is the seraphims, or the um, dominance, virtues, and powers. There's no astrology up there. This this is way above anything quantum physics or physics can ascertain. It's down, there's a Hebrew word called Yitzira, which means formation. This is where there's believed to be 49 dimensions. This is where the firmaments form. This is like the rotating galaxies, the amino acids, and all the building blocks of the physical worlds that science has very rightly identified. Um, quantum physicists will tell you there's multiple dimensions in there. This is also where we start getting into the denser astral worlds where mediumship is tapped into, where um, psychics often will communicate with various deities and or uh, entities. Um, in the ancient Kabbalistic, Tibetan Lama, or you want to say Vedantic areas, it was believed that the true seers, or rishis they called them, got astrology from the upper angels, um, the, in, in the higher classes of angels. And I, I really believe that that's true, because I don't think anyone could have figured this out to the degree of complexity. I mean, in the Vedantic scriptures alone, they knew that our solar system went around the central sun somewhere between 24 and 26,000 years. Well, NASA and many other space agencies have proven that, that we actually do have our solar system going around the central sun. <clears throat> they also said there was a 250 million year galactic cycle. There's no way you're going to see this sitting on a camel watching, you know, planets. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> I don't care how tightly wrapped your turban is. So the, the point is, is the, the, uh, um, it, it's very sacred stuff. And I even find that glyphs of the planets are derived from the circle of the sun, the crescent of the moon, and the cross. So if you look at all the religions, um, well, I, that's a very broad term, but if you look at many of the religions, you can see the sacred building blocks of this whole matrix for the souls. And, and I really believe that's what Earth is. It is these, I call it the soul cauldron. I always say, forget Trinity, Neo, and Morpheus. This is really the true matrix of the souls. And, you know, we hear of the diversity of things going on from the horrible stuff that people do to one another to the divine stuff, the babies being born and the little birdies in the tree. This is like a, a, a multi-faceted 
divine place of experience of life, and astrology seems to be an interactive consciousness through the angelic forces in it. And Vedic astrology really opened me up, and traditional astrology, to that awareness. And I think it proves God. And religions tend to become... I, I think religions are wonderful, because certain ones, at least, um, really try to promote morality, God, and doing good to one another, and, and all of that, which I think is amazing. Um, I think some religions become extremely dogmatic, like if you don't, they, they become cults, where if you don't believe the way we do, well, then we'll cut your head off, or, you know, all that. So astrology's always been a parallel to, to a lot of the core elements in religions. And I think that's that's so interesting because when people are starting to maybe kind of dabble in their understanding or exploration of astrology or mediumship or psychic ability, whatever it might be, they sure. they they worry that those things don't go hand in hand. So I think your you know, your explanation has been really really good. In terms well, of the, the second kind of question that I wanted to come on to, and, and please don't think I'm taking away from the answer you just gave. No, please, so please, important. I love it. I've I've made I've made notes, Jeff, to make sure that I go and have a look at those things. I think it's fascinating. I'm ready. Yeah. Well, when, when I do readings, uh, not to interrupt you, but when I do readings, I'll tell you what I love: <clears throat> the internet. I now have clients all over the world. I send them a code yeah. when we do readings, and they log into my computer, and I have a visual presentation of all these things that I'm talking to you about. And th if people have a Macintosh computer. Of course, in California, you're not allowed to be in California without a Mac. You know that, don't you? They'll arrest you. But I'm kidding. Okay. But um, it, seriously, um, on a PC, you can download screen recording, and people make movies of their sessions. So not only do they have the visual, but they, they – and it's amazing because then the retention is so much greater when you can see what, what I'm referring to. And uh, – and it's a movie about them when I do the reading, you know. It, it just has always fascinated me how accurate astrology was when you got past the, um, the superstition of it and treated it like yeah. the science that it is. And, I, and it's interesting because I was watching an article today, um, and it was a, a, a teacher in, I'm sure it was Australia, who was a mathematician, and he was... He's, he's becoming very well known for his YouTube videos that he developed for a young child that was sick and had lots of time off school. And so developed um, this very visual way through YouTube of teaching this child um, the importance of maths through different means by looking at patterns on shells, by looking at patterns in plant formation, by, that everything has a mathematical, um, so a, a systematic stuff now. And, you know, yeah. and so that it doesn't become frightening. If you look at it and you see maths everywhere, you then start to understand what maths is about. And it's exactly the same, I'm guessing, with astrology. Well, I think that's why human beings today, you know, we're all drunk with modern society because in materialism, and in a lot of ways, we force that upon ourselves. <clears throat> you know, people that go to every day to the same jobs, a lot of people really get worn in the spirit, and that's what's so beautiful about nature. When you walk through nature, the Fibonacci patterns, or Fibonacci identified those patterns, but nature has this sacred way of 
all these shapes and colors. And it's the same thing when we look at animals. I think that's why people really love animals is because they're, they're so in their place and their egos are not out in front. And I think this is going to become even more important as society advances with greater technologies. We need to keep our spirit grounded. And that's one of the things I enjoy in readings is to help people see where they're at, um, you know, in any way that I can to, you know, get their spirit more, I think, uh, in, in touch with who they really are as, as a spiritual being. We're not machines. We're, we're spiritual beings having a physical experience. In terms of when you were talking about kind of the, the conflict in some ways between a medium and an astrologer, in layman's terms, what what did you mean by that? And and I mean, I interviewed. Well, I, David. I, I didn't say conflict. Did I say conflict? Sorry, the conflict might be the word, wrong word, Jeff. But there was this getting people to, to agree on different things was harder. Oh, oh no, no, no! I was saying it. I was saying that not just about astrologers and mediums, but astrologers and astrologers. It, when and, and and Kevin had brought up that question mm-hmm. earlier, which right. was. Yeah. Essentially, how do you find credible sources to study astrology? And that's a really good question because I have found, I have hundreds and hundreds of books. Um, I know I just moved and, oh my God, I'm still sitting here looking at boxes in my office. (laughs) And and the, the, uh, and it's fun to move once in a while because I had lived in in Tucson for quite a while and, um, uh, you, you tend to get stagnant. It's really good. Sometimes chaos is good. It disrupts things, and you get to no, see totally what, you know. I'm totally yeah, it disrupts, and, and then you reorganize. But, uh, yeah, it's very hard because astrology, you know, there's an old saying, God confused all the astrologers with the Tower of Babel. And I think there may be some truth to that because there's so many branches that have developed just like languages um, but the common thread is there and there are certain texts that I really revere uh, particularly some of the uh, texts that came out of the first century uh, particularly uh, from like 300 BC up to about the 800s or I'd say 1100s astounding stuff just astounding stuff like for example um, and and it's usable today I get people calling me up and saying hey someone is stealing my stuff out of my house and I'll say okay and they'll say well who do you think it is and I'll cast a chart this is interrogation astrology well what I love about astrology a lot of people have said astrology is the eagle and the intuition or psychic ability is the lark so the astrology is the eagle that you can jump on and get up close to the to God, if you will, by seeing the structure of what's happening with the mathematics of astrology. It's it's the solidity, and then the intuition will bridge the rest. Well, I, I've had so many cases in the past where people have called up missing persons, you know, legal disputes. Um, uh, etc. In interrogation astrology, now many people may have heard this as the Latinized term, which is called horary astrology. I never liked that word. <clears throat> it sounds like hairy astrology or something. But um, horary means hourly. 
And it's not based on your birth chart. <clears throat> you, you have to remember, prior to or even the 1900s, many people didn't know their birth times. Sometimes in certain countries today, people don't know what time they're born. Mm-hmm. So, and and then I always find birth times are never exact anyhow, um, because it's believed when the angel ties the soul into the body for the incarnation, it happens at first breath. No, really? most children cry. Yeah, it's it's not, said that not the guardian. In the not no. Well, conception is when the guardian angel is believed to attach the soul to the embryo, okay. and that's the so-called silver cord. So you have to remember the physical three-dimensional world of atoms and molecules and all that stuff is what our brains are wired to. But when you get into angels and spirits, <laughs> the world isn't that way. It's it's a much different fabric, and you know we we think with our rational minds. But an angel actually attaches the soul to the embryo at conception. In fact, science has been seeing that there's some strange flash that happens when the sperm connects to the egg. And there's no LEDs, there's no phosphor, there's no reason for that. So it's it's very mysterious that they're being able to see that. Uh, There's actually a video somewhere on YouTube of that. And then the nine months of gestation, the angels believes to be in converse with you. And then when the child exits the womb, which God only knows, literally, or the angels only know when that happens, because some births are prolonged. Sometimes you have to go C-section. You know, some labors, the child pops right out. Some labors could be hours. So whenever it happens, the child cries at that first breath. And there are many uh, documents in the ancient world, and I believe they're right, that say there's an imprint additionally with the inrush of air into the lungs that prints into the blood as the blood enters the left ventricle of the the, um, heart. And that makes a real powerful atomic imprint, so to speak, on, on the physical body, as well as the spiritual aspect of the soul being tied in at the same time. This is really fascinating and divine stuff that I don't fully understand. I don't think any human being ever could, but it certainly is breathtaking. I had the opportunity to witness my son's birth. <laughs> yeah, I have to tell you the story. Uh, my wife and I met at a gas station in Malibu. It was the most serendipitous thing, and, and I, it, 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 it sounds sexy because it was Malibu. Yeah. If it would have been a gas station in Omaha, it probably wouldn't have worked as well. But um, anyhow, we, we got together very serendipitously, and um, I actually met her. She, we, we conversed at the gas station. She had a bumper sticker that says, I love England, and I said, what part? And she said, Wiltshire. And I, so we happened to know some crop circle, circle researchers. And it was very uncanny. So we exchanged cards, and then she called me up a month later, and we met at this little cafe called the Earth Cafe. And um, I cast her chart. I said, oh, my God, we're really compatible. And, um, <laughs> now, were you really, honest, or did you just like her? No, 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 we really were. See, in Vedic astrology, you can see compatibility between business partners, personal partners, and friends. Um, and it's not just compatibility. You can actually see intricate interrelationships between your energies. Like, you know, if you're emotionally compatible, intellectually compatible, or 
You know, there's all kinds of really detailed things you can grasp. And we were very compatible in many areas. And um, so anyways, we lived together for a few years. I said, hey, let's get married. I said, you're in a baby cycle, making cycle. And she, wow. she was, of course, in her, in her early 30s. So we actually used electional astrology to conceive. And I do that for a lot of women. I, I've actually um, done a lot of conceptional electional astrology, meaning you take the woman's chart and you pick which months are auspicious to conceive and which ones aren't. And um, I actually had one lady in her early 50s working with a doctor. We, we did a conception election. She carried the child without any issues mm. to fruition. It was amazing. Mm. Um, and at that age, it's always advisable to work with doctors. Too. Yes. So, But long story short, I, I and I'm sorry to go off the subject so much, but my son, we conceived him, and then... I'll never forget it. It was like 4.30 or something in the morning. I actually felt like somebody put a bolt of lightning through me. I, I really did. It's like, oh, my God, you're pregnant. And it was so divine. It was so blessed. And I always tell people there's purifications and prayers you can do out of the Bible and the Psalms that really help attract much more pure energy when you do conception like that because it's a very divine thing. You, you find me somebody who can create life like that uh, in, a, in a laboratory, and I, I want to meet them. Because ensouling life is, is, is just magical. It, it really is. And anyways, long story short, when he was born, my wife had to go C-section, and I actually got to pick the day he was born. It was really a blessing. Because my wife says, I, I'm, I've got to induce because the child's not coming. And the doctor says that we should induce. And I said, well, great. She goes, pick me a good day. And I did. And I said, if you can have him within this window, he's going to be born with the moon conjunct Venus. And it was amazing. So we scheduled the delivery. And I was holding her hand, and I never expected this. And I could actually see around the tent when they opened her up. So it was fairly graphic. And when they pulled the child out, my son out, they, he cried. I actually saw two lights come in. I, I didn't see any wings or any shape, but like two like luminous shapes, and boom, he, he cried. And I went, oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, it just chills went up my spine. I'm like, I just witnessed his soul being tied to the body. I never expected it. So I ran around, and I picked him up after the nurse had, you know, the umbilical cord was cut, and they wiped him off and everything. And he was laying on this table. He reached up and grabbed my thumbs and looked right at me. And children, they say, can't see, you know, as they put that silver in their eyes. Yeah. So that was just amazing. And for me, it was such a blessing to be able to tell this story to people and do this kind of work and witness that. You know, I mean, it's now not a theory anymore. I actually sat in a delivery room and witnessed it, and I know what I saw, and I know what I felt, and it was amazing. It was probably, when they stand me up at the end and say, what was the best part of this incarnation, I would say that's probably one of the most amazing right there. You know, that but, is, uh, Jeff, that app, wow, you know, I actually had the honor of watching the same thing with my daughter, and it is, it's a absolutely beautiful, you know, that infinitesimal moment in time where everything is just perfect and beautiful. It really is. I mean, there's there's an energy to that that uh, is, is just amazing. It really is. 
Now, Even animals. I, I've witnessed like dogs. It's, there's a, it's a real energy around it. It's, it's really magical. It, it is because you're witnessing something. You know, it, uh, let's just be intellectually honest here since we're, you know, all three of us are talking spiritual things. And, and I'm sure the listeners will appreciate this. You know, we're, we're talking about perfection in a world of imperfection. When that child oh, there is born, yeah. there is that moment of just absolute perfection, that moment of Eden, if we go all the way back to our beginning, the way God intended it, you know, because let's bring God into the equation, since we've alluded to him here, you know, he meant for everything to be perfect, he said, this is good, and then he rested, because it was perfect. Well, I think we wrecked it, I, I, I really don't Absolutely. think God, it, we did. yeah, it's ego that wrecks it, it's, it's our egos that wrecks it. And um, you know, when, when, when you look at society, it's it's all fear based. Yeah, absolutely, you know, we did this to ourselves. But every once in a while, God reminds us of that beauty and that perfection. You know, when that child is born, there is absolute beauty and perfection. Now, we would be remiss, sure though. Is. You know, going going back, you know, to the interview here. You know, I, I'm I'm sorry, I strayed for just a moment. Uh, you know, we would okay. be remiss. It, it, we've concentrated so much on astrology, but you do so many other things, such as gemology. Now, how does this connect in with astrology? Uh, really amazing. You know, that's another brief story I'll tell. Um, many years ago, I had a, a teacher who was amazing. He He actually did... I shouldn't mention this, but I will. He actually was in London, and he did astrology. He came to Los Angeles. That's where he did astrology for some of the very elite bankers. I mean, we're talking very powerful Eastern European bankers that work in the banking system. And he did electional astrology and prashna for them. Now, prashna is the same thing as horary and interrogation. It's divinational. You can ask a question. Uh, is it in my best interest to do this partnership or, you know, make this investment or whatever it is? And um, it gives you an amazing response to it. It's usually never simple. Um, sometimes it is. But um, anyways, he turned me on to gemology. He says, Jeff, he says, you must wear this type of stone. And Vedic astrology is much different. It's called Vedic planetary gemology. And I actually do a lot of celebrities and politicians and really substantial people in the business world because they know there's an occult power to gems. What I think is unique about Vedic planetary gemology is that it takes your Jyotish or Vedic chart and it sees which gems are always wear stones and which gems you should avoid. Because there are certain stones on certain individuals, if you wear them, it will actually emphasize some of the negative karmas in your chart. Um, like, for instance, I cannot wear blue sapphire. If I wear blue sapphire, which strengthens Saturn, I literally get headaches. I mean, it just hauls me down. Now, other folks, I prescribe blue sapphire too all the time because it's it's their what we call Raj Yoga planet. So Vedic astrology is an amazing diagnostic tool to see which gemstones you should be wearing and then there's certain stones you want to wear at certain periods in your life. They're called doshas. Dasha is a Sanskrit word that means time period or time. And um, the the 
what's unique about it is I was skeptical. And I, I remember when he put this yellow sapphire in my hand. I just said, oh, my God, I can really feel this. I said, I'm buying this. And that's what got me started. And what was a blessing on that is I got exposed to some really wonderful people who taught me how to set gems at good electional times. They literally become talismans um, where I set the stone. I literally do the, not only do I get the stones at very decent prices, but I also get them untreated. And I found that the jewelry industry is riddled with treated stones. And the problem is it's very hard to detect this. So, and I don't want to in any way demean, there's some very good gemologists out there, but I, I actually made a documentary about this that I, I need to edit someday, and that is that a lot of the stones or gemstones People, uh, gemologists will put them under a refractometer and say, oh, yes, that's a, that's a yellow sapphire, that's a diamond, that's a ruby or whatever it is. But they can't detect the treatment, which is done through heating, irradiation, which is literally uh, nuclear bombardment in chambers. They do uh, things like um, uh, blowing plastic into them to lessen the inclusions on certain types of gems. Or they will do laser trimming to get the inclusions out. So they're not looking for this kind of stuff, though many good gemologists see that when it's very obvious. But I found, like, out of India, there were many stones were consistently treated. And how they get by with this is it's done way before the faceting is done. So I have kind of created a, a unique business where I get certified, untreated, natural stones because that's a big deal. You, you don't get as much energy if they're treated in any way. And the other one that's been creeping in over the last 20 years is synthetic stones. Synthetic lab-grown gems are so good, they're even putting imperfections in them, you can't detect it under normal means unless you really know what you're doing. And you might as well light your money on fire if you're buying synthetics. <laughs> and this is how many people are making money in the, in the industry. So I, get the st I prescribe the stone, and then I get stones that are certified natural. And more importantly, I set them at good astrological times to the person's birth chart. And that's critical. So uh, you have, and it's complex because you have to, if, if, like say a yellow sapphire, which rules Jupiter or, or strengthens the planet Jupiter, or ruby sees nice. the sun, and Venus is, is diamond, and you know, emerald is mercury. This is the difference between ancient Vedic planetary gemology and modern you know, birthstone. The jewelry industry has changed the birthstone correspondences several times, and it's not accurate. And, and I don't mean to demean that, but because I, I, so I know a lot of jewelry. In order to find out, Jeff, exactly what kind of stone you should be wearing as your, I'm not going to say the typical birthstone, because you clearly said it's much more in-depth than that. No, how, how would we go about doing that? Would we consult somebody like yourself? And Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can do that fairly quickly. I mean, that's something, I, once I cast your Vedic chart, I can do the yogas. The yogas are called planetary combinations, and you can immediately see which stones 
are the beneficial always wear stones, which stones you should be wearing at given times in the doshas and and throughout your life, and which ones you should assiduously avoid. Um, Like, I I have certain stones I just can't wear, Um, and uh, other ones I do, and boy, I feel it. You know, the the thing that I think I've found most encouraging on gemstones is the feedback I get from people. You know, um, uh, 20 years later, I'll have someone call me up and say, you know, when you first told me about this, you said, you know, I, I had the money. I didn't know if I believed you, and, you know, I didn't know if you were trying to sell me a stone. But, you know, i got to say, since I've been wearing this thing, I, I never get as depressed, or I feel better, or I, you know, all these different comments. Um, it works on the etheric double of the physical body, which, you know, Many healers in Reiki and um, acupuncture, Qigong, um, and many of the naturopathic healers are in touch with. The etheric body, or some people call it the vital body, is like a glove that fits over the physical body. And that's where much of the energy comes in and out of the body from a very magical divine um, flow of energy that keeps us vital. <clears throat> and gems really fortify that. Um, they, they strengthen that body, and they can also um, help with many things like intuition, logic. Um, my son, I smacked a, an emerald and a yellow sapphire on the other day, and I said, do you feel that? He goes, yeah, I really can. I said, I know. I said, don't you notice your eyes are sharper? Like you can see, because he's studying right now for a test in school, and mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, it's, it's fun. I, I, I have to say, I was a skeptic, just like I was a skeptic in astrology, and I have become enamored. And, and I make so many stones for people. Um, I do rings. I do pendants. I'm a big fan of pendants because pendants hang at the heart chakra. And I set yeah. the stones so that they uh, touch the skin. <clears throat> and there's a whole per- charging procedure. Um, you actually have to... Not only do I set it at a good time for the wearer, but I also set it at a good time when the planets ruling the stones are well aspected in the sky. There's actually science that proves that. Um, There was a a number of scientists who've taken metallic salts and congealed them at certain astrological configurations. Mm. Um, And it, it definitely proved that it does matter. It's, it's an alchemical process almost. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's what I think the whole plant and animal and human kingdom, unbeknownst to us, I think the solar system and the stars is an alchemical process, a divine one through angels that work in the material planes. And uh, so gemology fits into that elegantly, and uh, it's fun. Well, Jim, I very much might take you up on those services, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I plan to. But, Jeff, we've only got about five Yeah, psychics really have benefited from right gems. I'm sorry, Kevin, to cut you off. Psychics, I've done a lot of psychics where, where the gemstones really, really affected because you're so intuitive, you know, you're so sensitized. Hmm. Wow, I look forward then. I will pass you my details and we'll exchange some information. There you go. So, Alan, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Kevin, I'm sorry to cut you off. What what did you say? No, I I was just saying we've only got about five minutes left with you. Um, So how can people get in contact with you? How can they take advantage of your services? 
The best way is Jeff at JeffHarman.com. That's uh, Jeff, J-E-F-F, at J-E-F-F-H-A-R-M-A-N.com. A lot of people spell it O-N. Um, but that, that's the best way in because my my wife, she's just amazing with people, and she uh, can really set it up and takes care of all the scheduling and all that, and thank God she does. And also, we're very, very thankful. Um, again, I'm going to announce that I, Alan has brought you aboard the House of Mystery team, so you're actually going to be our astrology specialist. Well, that's great. That's excellent, yeah. Well, again, this is all about, and I'm sure you know both of you agree, we do this work to help people, to give people insight. Um, you know, when, when I'm happiest is when someone hangs up the phone and has some clarity and direction in their life. You know, every day I, I see where people are going through various crises or changes or they're just looking for direction. The cycles in astrology are amazing. I mean, they really are. And, and going back to what you said at the beginning of the show, um, how do you find which methods in astrology? It, it's like anything. You're not going to get good fast. Anyone studying astrology, I thought I'd learned in seven years. Well, it's 42 years going on 43, and I still know that I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> You'll never <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> Isn't you that know, the beginning I'm very of humble. wisdom? <laughs> yeah, that is the beginning of wisdom. That's right. That's exactly right. So, well, and I approach it that way. Well, but Jeff, uh, again, I, I look forward to working with you in the future. And um, you know what? I think I'm going to do the same thing Julie's doing. I'm going to send you my my details, and we'll get together offline. And yeah, well, you know. well one thing I wanted to add, um, I was on a radio program. Oh, back in 2016, and I was probably one of the few astrologers, if the only astrologer, who said Donald Trump's going to win the United States presidential election. The guy almost hung up the phone on me. <laughs> I actually thought he was going to hang up the phone. Because, you know, right now, the world is so polarized, and we're going to see that actually get much more so over the next couple of years. Um, it'll subside, you know, once the dust and the sparks, you know, fade. Uh, hopefully there's not too many sparks um, or embers. Um, but the, the uh, you know, it, this is the ebbs and flows of creation. We're all souls here with our own egos. And, you know, Trump is very controversial, um, but his astrology showed he'd be the only man standing. And that was uh, using ancient Vedic and uh, what I would call Egyptian classical astrology. It was. It was. It just nailed it on the head. You know, and if that doesn't validate it, because who believed that that was going to happen except the believers? Yeah, well, I, I believe is a very dangerous thing too. I'm very careful what I believe because belief is predicated on subjective, you know, kind of deductionary reasoning, and a lot of times what I believe gets disproved and what I found about interrogation astrology it is what it is and you just read it and take it for what it is and you know it's like a dashboard in a car you know if you're counting telephone poles you might think you're going you know 100 kilometers per hour but if you look at the speedometer it says no you're doing you know 65 so again our, our minds are very subjective and I find astrology the only time I've seen it wrong is if I read it wrong. 
and that can happen. I, I go out of my way to make sure I don't do that. But it's it's an all wise, all tricky oracle, is what, what one one of my uh, revered teachers had said, and uh, he was right. He was right. Well, Jeff, it's been an absolute honor to have you on the House of Mystery. We thank you for spending your time and coming to join us. Well, for likewise. Yes, it was my pleasure as well. Thank you, Jeff. You bet. And hey, you have fun over there. I'm jealous. I want to go to Cyprus and uh, <laughs> sit in your bistro and have one of those lattes. Oh, there's advertising, isn't there? <laughs> you, 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 know, you know, you have to look up, Julie. There's one of my favorite mystics was a man named Dr. Stilianos Ateshlis. He lived in a city called Strobolos. Have you ever heard of that city over there? Yes, yeah. He was known as the healer or magus of Strobolos. He healed people with, and talk about true Christianity. This is, uh, there's a book called The Magus of Strobolos written about him. And his daughter still carries on the work. They're called the Researchers of Truth. The Cyprus is such an amazing place. I mean, you had the Crusades come through there. I mean, the history of that island is just breathtaking. You know, it goes back to the beginning of civilization. Absolutely, and even though I've kept the, um, the, the the radio element going throughout my time in Cyprus, I've only been here 14 months, and the mediumship went kind of on the back burner a little bit because I was involved, obviously, in the day-to-day -day running of the bistro. And it's only in the last week I've said, no, this is this is what I need to be doing, and, I, and I'm, I'm concentrating now on the mediumship here. We can look at your location astrology over there. That is something I've absolutely been enamored with since the 70s is when you move to different locations on the earth your energy changes in fact there was an old saying by the the saints and the prophets they said if you want to alter your energy change three things one is your consciousness the second is your location and the third is the spelling of your name or your name and boy i gotta tell you they're right you know, location astrology is amazing well, everybody, you've been listening to the House of Mystery. And, Julie, we're off to the next. To find out more about our show, guests, or listen to a previous show, visit our website at www.somethingweirdmedia.com. The mission has been completed. The end! By George, he's got it! It is the end! I'll see you. If you're lying to me, I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Weird Media.